searching for Canada's best startups. The Pitch Please Podcast. Hosted by Mike Thibodeau. Give us your best pitch. Pitch please. Three, two, one. Connecting with Canada's startups to learn about their business and the amazing people behind them. Follow along and hear some of the most interesting ideas in startups from across Canada. What's up, everybody? It's Mike. We're back here on the Pitch Please podcast. And today I'm here with Luca from Docere Health. Uh, they're an AI-based solution to help new medical school grads uh, and other physicians streamline the setup of their new clinics. I'm very curious to learn more, but before we do, it's time to learn a little bit about Luca. Over to you, Luca. Let's introduce yourself and a little bit of your role at Doshare Health and a little bit of your own background. Of course. As well. Thank you, Mike. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me. So my name is Luca. I'm 23 years old, biochemistry student in the senior year. I did, I did a lot of research in my life, mostly in neuro-oncology and a little bit of proteomics and genomic medicine. We, I partnered with a lot of people, with a lot of professors, especially from Cambridge University, UK. And lately, I decided to spit out or to start my own company called Dutcher Health. I'm the CEO and co-founder. I come from, usually what I say, especially in these occasions or in, or in these shows, podcast shows, it's. I, I'm proud to be an immigrant, and I come from an immigrant family. We came four or five years ago here in Canada from a small country called Albania, that is in Eastern Europe. And yeah, I'm very excited to talk a little bit more about that, about my background, and also a little bit more about military health, about my company. Amazing. Well, like maybe we start with you're doing stuff in healthcare, but you're obviously an entrepreneur. Let's talk a little bit about your background in science and chemistry. Maybe what veered you off that path to become an entrepreneur, or maybe somehow you were an entrepreneur heart way before there. Let's talk about that story of like what kind of kindled your spirits to build something for yourself and go into things that were healthcare adjacent, but not directly related to where and the where and how you were going down a path. For that's education. a that's a very good question. I mean, let's start from the beginning. I believe let's start when I was in high school. So my love for science and my love for healthcare came very, very early in my life, even before high school, actually. My mom is a pediatrician. She's a physician. She used to bring me with her in the hospital when I was a very small kid. And she used to leave me in, like with lab technicians in the lab work. And I love lab. I love being there. I love the environment. All I knew was like science work, right? So I got kind of like, grew, I grew up with that with feeling of science and of healthcare. Being raised in a country where, man, like even research, healthcare research doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. It's very, very, very minimal. Imagine entrepreneurship. Like entrepreneurship in Albania, it's when, when you tell your friends, oh, I am an entrepreneur, they say, to you, are you dealing drugs? Like they don't, they, they, it doesn't exist as a word. So growing up in that environment, never thought I would start my own company or or if I if I did, it would be something very simple, like a, I don't know, a traditional business, like a restaurant or something. But I never thought in the in the startup world or or actually bringing some innovation into the market. In high school, I had some uh, kind of like uh, some some roles when I when I worked with a lot of physicians. I worked in the hospital, and that really made me love the idea of becoming a physician, a doctor myself. Also, for my mom's my my mom's background. 
So I said, you know what? That's the smart choice to do. So I came to Canada. I applied to university. I got chosen for biochemistry slash pre-med. And my goal was to become a doctor and more specifically a cardiologist. That was kind of like my goal in my mind. That's what I had. The problem is that when I came here, you know, I had the pressure from my family, to be honest. Like they're my biggest supporters now, but in the beginning, they, as every other immigrant family, they pressured me to either study engineering, law, or medicine. So I chose medicine. All I knew, all I wanted to do was become a cardiologist, become a doctor. When I came here, I got opened up to a lot of other opportunities that I didn't even know that existed. Here, you can become a researcher. You can become, I don't know, you can work in a lab. You can work in a startup if you work in bad. You can work in a lot of ways. You can have many different careers. And also, you can have your own startup. You can create your own innovation. So this was the first culture shock that really changed my life and changed my, my idea. And it really convinced me in a way that, hey, maybe maybe my life is not only becoming a doctor, but I, I, can, I can become just a researcher, right? So I started doing research. I started exploring myself. I worked with some professors. I worked with different research papers. And I found out that that's something that I love. I really like. I really like research. I really like working in the wet lab. But the second moment that it really changed my perception of life and my perception of healthcare industry in, 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 in general is the moment that my mom, as I said, a physician for around 20 years, burned out at only 45 years old. She, not only she burned out, but also she retired after burning out. Uh, this was something that really showed me how cruel and how bad sometimes healthcare system is. So that made me decide to, you know, as, as the typical same roadmap as I was doing research, I started doing research also about this, and I found out shocking statistics. I found out that there are 10,000 doctors that burn out every year only in Canada. And 80% of the doctors in the U.S., 80%, that's a scary number, of all physicians from all specialties would say, said that they would retire tomorrow. So... I know that this might not sound crazy because every profession, even you, even me, like if we say, you know what, Luca, you're going to, do you want to retire tomorrow and just do like whatever you want? Of course, I would say yes in the first, in the first answer. But medicine is something that it's just more than just money or more than just, you know, career or more than just status. It's actually helping people. It's a different kind of profession when you're directly helping. So that's why it's so terrible and so shocking to and that kind of became my life goal and my mission. And that's why I started Toterra, to, to come to burnout, the doctor's burnout. So it came, it was maybe not, it was never in my mind that I would become an entrepreneur. It just happens. And I still don't like what I call myself an entrepreneur. I just like the idea of me bringing innovation and creating a business behind it. Let's, let's talk about that for a second, because I want to talk about the parallels. When you came here, you said that, you know, you, you kind of spoke generally to the fact that you saw these other potential career paths, entrepreneurship, people doing a startup. Was there like specific examples of things you saw that were memorable that you were like, maybe that's what was my hook or maybe that's the startup or two <laughs> that I was seeing that changed my perspective? Like broadly, you saw this opportunity, but there has to be things that spoke to you. Talk a little bit that's, about that. That's a very us. good question. And that brings me back a little bit in time and in my memories. Uh, so in the beginning, when I came here, I, I, as I said, I was in university, I was on campus. I became friends with 
with with Zach, who is, who is also my best friend today. And when I talk to him, like this is something that I don't share a lot with people, but when I talked to him, it was very genuine, right? I was like 18 years old. I didn't know what I was doing. You know, I, I was very confused, even though I knew I wanted to become a doctor, but still deep in my mind, as you said, like generally I knew the opportunities that were there. And that confused me that I was like, oh my God, what should I do with my life? So I met this guy called Zach, who was, shout out to Zach right now, that most probably is going to listen to this. Shout out Zach. <laughs> he, he introduced me to the concept of content creation, which I never thought there would be a possibility for anyone to be, to do. And I saw him because he's a chess, he's a chess player and he, he monetized chess. He became a chess influencer, right? He started playing chess online and he started playing chess on Twitch and he became very famous. He's, and that really opened my eyes and I was like, wow, he's my age and he's doing so many great stuff. And he started very humbly without nobody putting into it, just sweat equity, basically. Then he took some risks and then he did it. It took a lot of years, but he did it. He did it in a different way. And that there was the first, again, there was the first culture shock. There was the first moment when I had some good ideas in my mind. So inspired by Zach, I started my own podcast, talking about podcast, which was based on my love for history. And it was called Cool Historians. I made it happen to go to 55 countries, listen to 55 countries in the world. And that was actually my first even if I didn't know, I was just doing it for fun, basically. But that was my first moment when I realized, you know what? This is the this is the entrepreneurship world. This is how it is to create your own thing, basically. Not a company, but your own thing. So after that, because I started doing it, and this is a very important keyword, started doing it. I started doing it and I put it myself into different situations and different sections and different different environment. So in my opinion, environment is very important. Being around Zach helped a lot. But not only that, also looking for a lot of founders and a lot of people that think like me, people that are very non-conformist in, in a way, right? They don't want to do the traditional way of, do, of doing things. So they put me into a lot of friend groups and I met a lot of people that showed me that, hey, it's, it's possible. It's possible. You don't need to drop out sometimes. You, maybe you want to drop out, but you don't have to. You don't need to finish university. You don't need a PhD, which is a one of the biggest, uh, I would call it the stereotype that, that a lot of medical students have, that you need a PhD or you need an MD to create your own thing if you want to create because you need credibility. I tried to do it without, again, without the traditional route of doing it. The, the other moment that really changed me was when I met my professor, Agustino Mena, who is, who is also my mentor right now. He also, so I, I had the idea at the time. I had the idea of doTERRA Health. Uh, it was very, it was very wrong, very vague. I met some people in hospitals because I used to live in Montreal before. I met some people in hospitals there. They said, it's okay. Like you need a little bit of refinement and then you get to build the product and then come to us, right? But Agostino really helped me a lot with understanding how entrepreneurship and how the world works. He introduced me to the concept of MVP, minimal viable product, which was the first time that I, that I heard about it. And that was actually when I, I accelerated my daughter. I left behind my podcast, what I was doing at the mo at the time. And I just focused on daughter. And with the help of Agostino, I'd actually, he invested after into the startup, $25,000, which was our first check. And that was the motivation that I needed to really focus full-time on, on the company. So pretty much it's a, it's a combination of a lot of different factors, like my mom being one, my, even the research that I did was very, very helpful because I learned a lot of problem solving skills. But 
especially the people that I met with, with my immigration here in Canada. The first people that I met were very crucial. That's impressive. So the people had a very big impact on this. If we go back to Albania, I want to just touch on something you said to, to parallel and understand. You said, you know, when you lived in Albania, no one builds a startup. No one is really this concept of entrepreneur unless maybe it's a restaurant. And you said the environment was different. There you become a lawyer, a doctor. And here it changed your possibilities. Can you help me understand that? Is it there's less opportunities, less, you know, ideas of innovation, less uh, openness to the idea, maybe like what are the elements that maybe are different here that people should, you know, really take for granted that maybe they don't realize is so different in other places? That's again, another very good question, because I have this conversation with a lot of my friends that live here in Canada, especially young people. And I tell them, man, you are so lucky to be born here and to live here all your life that you don't understand. I know I might sound a little bit cliche, but North America, it's a for real, it's the land of opportunity. It's the land where you can really become successful just by having a dream, as Walt Disney would say. You know, in Albania, and maybe not only Albania, Albania has changed a little bit. We have some tech right now. We have some innovation happening there. But even Europe, I would, I would argue, some, or at least some pockets of Europe, they are very, very not open to the idea of taking a risk, which is that's where it starts for us, right? Because starting a company and starting a business, it's not easy. I know that people say, oh, yeah, well, I, I, I'm an entrepreneur, you know. It's not easy. You creating this podcast, it's very hard work. There's a lot of risk to take because it's taken it from your time, right? Me creating a company, it's a lot of risk to take because I put my name there and I'm wasting a lot of time and a lot of money, which might result in a failure, right? But that concept, this mindset that Theodore Roosevelt said it very right on the on, the, on his speech, what he mentioned, it's it's enough to be the man in the arena, to just be in the arena, it's enough to live a very worthwhile life to be lived, right? Being the gladiator, this concept is very, very, very apparent here in North America. Most in the U.S., lately also in Canada. The openness to, to, to create, even if you're young, even if you're if you're a kid, you know, I met I met a guy in San Francisco when I went. He was 16 and he already exited two companies. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Like this concept being discussed in Albania, in Greece, in Serbia, in Balkan countries, but even in Italy or in Germany. Or in, uh, My co-founder lived in Germany all his life. That's what we discuss all the time. No one thinks about it, of course, because it's a lot of more, it's a lot of more bureaucracy and it's a lot of more traditional way of thinking, which is good. We need that. Again, I love people that go through the traditional way of, of, of doing stuff, like doctors and, and lawyers and, and engineers, because we need them. But there are also some people that are non-conformists that really are stubborn to create what they want. And this is the opportunity that North America gives to you. So if I, one of the advices that I would give to everyone, to anyone that, that would, would want to start something right now that live in Canada or live in U.S., because these are Again, these are the industries or the markets that I know best. It's don't think twice. If you, if you really want something, don't think twice of it. But also be prepared for the risk that you're taking. Because even though here it's the land of opportunities, it's also a very harsh world, a very wild world. No, no one is going to let you disrupt healthcare that easy, you know, <laughs> or, 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 or fintech or finance world that easy. So 
uh, you have to be be careful of what you, what you're wishing or what you're asking for. It's great perspective, and I think it's helpful for people to understand what's different here. They might think, you know, on first jump, we just have more resources. I think what you're saying is it's not necessarily more resources. It's just a more open mindset to risk and being surrounded by people that will appreciate and understand and empathize and support that risk. But the risk is the, the thing. Let's talk a little bit then about, I'm, I'm going to want to talk about and hear the pitch on, on do, do yes, share. I'm saying it right. Do yes. share. I'm curious the name. Where where does that come from? I called it Doshare. I think at the it's beginning it's Doshare. Similar idea, right? Okay, so so what's the background on on the name, and is it related to what you're going to tell us when you start to pitch us on what Doshare helps? Not us? directly related, but it's a little bit personal for me as a name. So I was reading. I remember I was reading Plato's The Republic. I love philosophy. I love reading philosophy books. It's something that has helped me go through very hard times, also with my business, but also in my life. To understand how to act in different situations. So I was reading this book the, from Plato, The Republic, and he mentions Hippocrates, that is the, the father of medicine. And they mentioned there in this, in this chapter, the word docher. I, I, I got fascinated because it was the only word that was different from English that even the, the translators didn't, didn't translate it on, on purpose. Even the historians didn't translate it on purpose. So I went to search it on Google, what does it mean? And it meant to teach, and it's a word that has come from Latin. It meant, it meant to teach, but it was a word that was used for physicians, for family physicians, because they were considered to be teachers of the, and enlighteners of, 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 of the society. So it was amazing, and I, and I loved it. I, I love that word, so that's why from now on I, I told my mom and I told my, my, my co-founder, you know what, we're going to use this thing. <laughs> and, and that's it, the end of story. And I put the hell. That's amazing. So it was natural... Is a natural fit of a word that you knew, or did you start working on the company and then just coincidentally were were reading some things that brought it, you to this name? I'm curious. Did the chicken before the egg? Which funny. one came first? No, it was actually we had the idea and we started working on it. We didn't have a name in the beginning. We're just working with other name <laughs> because you know the name is all that is important. You can name it whatever you want. In my see the start. I know that marketing is super super important, and I know that now that I, we have the name, it's a, it's very very personal meaning for me. But in the beginning, the name is not important. You just have to build <laughs> to prove your point. So it, it came after. I love it. Well, let's talk a little bit about DoShare Health then. So you're on the Pitch Please podcast. So Luca, let's start with your best pitch, please. Of course. Of course. So DoShare Health is an AI centralized dashboard that help doctors manage, but also create their own private and or personal clinics. This management happens solo. They don't need any help. So what I mean by this is we automate, we help doctors automate a lot of their workflow, starting from intake forms and ending with the medical referral letters, including clinical decision support tools, which means diagnosis, prescriptions, medical, as I said, medical referral letters, all done by AI. The doctor just approves. So we help not only newly graduated, which is our first target, medical students, that they want to create their own thing or they want to manage their, their data or manage their, their operations better, but also, I would say, older generation of doctors, which are more established, save more time and combat the burnout. We are bringing also lately focus on precision medicine. 
We are doing, we're training our LLM, our AI on precision medicine that helps doctors help all the physicians from different specialties for each patient that comes to the clinic based on different parameters like EHRs, the research, the drug discovery research, lab tests, focus on precise diagnosis for each patient that comes to the clinic. So AI does everything for them precisely for each patient. And we have done this for a while right now. First results from this latest pivots or latest iteration of, of the product came in and it's, uh, it says that we have, we have saved doctors around two hours per day and increased their revenue by at least $1,000 per day. Wow, super impressive. I want to understand this space a little more because I, I, I'm, I'm following your innovation, but I want to see where it fits in. You said things like EMRs, and maybe what we'll do is as we go through some of these things for anyone that's not deep in the space, I know an EMR is, but they may not. Help me understand like the space and the existing technology that exists and which of it are complementary potentially to what you're, you're building. Like, do you work with these things? Do you work in replacement of some of these things? Help us like a little bit about tech in the everyday physician office here in, in Canada or potentially in North America, wherever you are. Of course, I'm a, big, uh, I'm a big believer on, on digitalizing healthcare. So basically the whole industry of digital health. And I know the industry very well. So I know that... So, for example, we are very, we work very closely with EMR and EHRs, and a lot of physicians, mostly all physicians right now, use EHRs and EMRs for the data, at least, for data collection. The problem is that they don't have a lot of time to, to read all those data, and even if they do, before the patient comes into the clinic, I'm talking specifically right now for family physicians, even if they do, they don't have time to link it up with research and then understanding, going back to the lab test, and then going back to another thing that maybe... It, 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 can, uh, it can kind of defer the result or defer the diagnosis for each individual patient, right? So that's why we, that's why we, we created also Dolcera, to help them with this thing, to help them not think about this stuff, but just focus on actual... I usually say that we're making doctors have a little bit more of a passive role, but not in sense passive that they don't care about patient care, but actually care just about patient care, not care about other, other stuff that happens in the industry, right? And, that's, and, and they have a little bit more of understanding at fixing a lot of complex problems. I just had a call uh, last week with one of the doctors that we are hopefully we're in, in, in contact right now to join as our new CMO, which was also our first user of the pilot. And he said the same thing. He said, I, Luca, I don't want to deal anymore with small stuff. And I don't want to deal with, with, with not understanding what the patient is, is going through and focusing more on the administrative tasks and the stuff that I can do basically like a nurse practitioner can do those, right? I would understand more of the complex problems or fixing the complex problems right off the bat when the patient comes to the family physician, fixing most of those problems. Then if we cannot fix something, we can send it to a special. But this is how we fix the healthcare system, by fixing the problems right off the bat. And I believe precision medicine is something that it's very, very valuable and very good to to, to follow. We have in our board, the, our research advisor, Dr. Tatira Zali, that is, she was my PI and she's an amazing scientist and she, she's a professor at the University of Cambridge. She's affiliated with Cambridge University and we are using her, her research as part of training our LLM. Now, this is kind of like a parenthesis before, before we continue on the technology that is available today, especially in the Canadian market. There are amazing companies and I can mention some of them if you, if you don't mind. Easy Scribe by MedX Insights is unbelievable. 
AIFD, very cool. Cepha. So there are, there are, Cepha works with pharmacists mostly, but they also work with clinicians sometimes. But there are a lot of good companies that focus in innovating or automating or helping doctors in different buckets of the workflow. And, and I'm open on working with all of them. I know all of them, all the founders, and they are amazing, uh, amazing founders. And I believe the best way that we can fix the healthcare system is by collaborating with each other. That's why I hosted a digital health conference, actually in partnership with, with Microsoft, uh, with Reactor, because I really wanted to, to, to create this, this, this new era of stop competing, but collaborating and making the healthcare system, especially for Canadians, a better place and a safer place for the patients. So do you today, does DoShare Health integrate with those other companies or you're solving different aspects of the problems you just share notes? Maybe so, for example, with that for what, 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 uh, example with EasyScribe, with Shreyas, that is the founder, yeah. we work together, basically. We, we work very closely together. We, we, we always, we don't necessarily integrate yet. I'm sure we're going to integrate in the future because they focus on the scribe, the scribe moment. So basically the note-taking moment between the doctor and the patients. Uh, and it's something that we might for sure use their data for, or, or the data for, for, for our own LLM or for our own AI. So, but we, even though we don't integrate yet, we still share notes. I still recommend him to the clinics that I work with. Hey, there's a cool guy. Maybe you can use him too because you're using us, right? So that's, this is things that I, we do to, to help each other to grow, right? With EHRs, with electronic health records for people that don't know what EHRs is, we are, we're already working. We're already integrating with a lot of them for the API. So it's, it has been a very, and this is what I love about Canada because people here, Tend to help. The, the acceptance that we had from EHR companies here, which are the same in US too, but the affiliation here are so much open to innovation and it's crazy. I thought it would be the, the reverse, vice versa, but it's actually who they're helping us a lot. So the, the, the collaboration opportunity is there. I think we need to, because AI in healthcare and the innovation in healthcare in general, it's a little bit new, to be fair. It's a little bit new. So we just need to create a little bit more established companies and a little bit more robust platforms. So that we, then we can create a big, this is my dream, but I'm dreaming right now, but a big comedy uh, where we can integrate all our platforms together and we can make the healthcare system better. That's cool. Now you said, or maybe it was I said, or we <laughs> both sort of said it a little bit at the beginning that, you know, this is targeted at. Uh, you know, new grads looking to set up a practice. But as we talk about it, what I'm hearing is it, it's probably for any independent physician that's opening a general yes. practice, I guess. Can you talk to us about like who that target audience is? Is it GPs or general practitioners and family doctors? Is it for new grads or existing clinics? Help me understand a little bit about who that's for. So the home. Again, the whole inspiration for Dolce and the whole mission that I had was through my mom. And my mom was a pediatrician, which had her own clinic, which is a little bit unusual. But, but when I saw the same problem as my, my mom had, a lot of family physicians have. So our primarily target would be family physicians. And the reason why I say the newly grad a lot and why I empowered the medical graduates to start becoming active and start becoming having their own patient roster because we need that. We need, we need, there are a lot of patients, a lot of Canadian citizens which, which don't have access to healthcare. And we need more, more family physicians to have 
to have these opportunities, these resources to make it easier for them so they can accept new patients. So that's why I empower them. And my goal is to, to bring more medical students into family uh, physicians, into creating family physicians and family physicians having their own clinics, basically, or, or making sure that they can control and don't burn out, right? That's kind of like my sense and my worry with a lot of family. Got it. Like you want to you capture them exactly. early to help them on exactly. that journey. But people who are already on the journey. Of course. Oh, absolutely. It's just your we dreams have. The, to, to, to help the overall flywheel of the healthcare There is a concept in, that White Combinator says it very well, hair on fire. So who, who is the hair on fire in this situation? So basically, hair, hair's on fire is like when you have so, someone has, like its hairs are on fire. And you, you give them a brick for, for 100% they're going to buy it for you because they think it's going to help them, right? So who is it so, in such a bad position right now? They're going to use the platform first. There are two, two ICPs, two ideal customer profiles that we're focused on. Family physicians or every type of physician, to be fair, that is in, in different specialties, who is all up to here with patient and, and administrative tasks, and they want to try new things and they want to to open up to you to new ideas to help them again save two hours per day, which is a lot of time. And young generation of medical graduates that just came out in the industry, they don't have a lot of years of experience. And they're trying to create their own thing or trying to become better physicians. We help them. We help them not to burn out, not to focus a lot on business or no, sorry, not on business, to focus a lot on administrative tests or on tech. Focus on their patient care, the thing that you love to do the most. So that's kind of our goal and our hidden mission in a, in a way, because we don't usually say this, but but we really that's what we're trying, what what we're trying to accomplish with Dotera. Got it. Well, maybe let's talk a little bit about the components of Dotera Health. You kind of skimmed on them at, at the top level. If I subscribe to or whatever your pricing model is, we'll of talk course. about that in a second. What are the components as a physician that I should be thinking about leveraging in my everyday practice? Where does this fit into my workflows? What are the ways that it helps? T talk to us yes. a little bit about that. My co-founder, Ervis, he is very obsessed with UI, UX concepts. So he always he always tells me to say this when people ask me this question. With two clicks, you just go to, you can, you can make your, you can do your job, basically. So you have everything that you need. It's very simple for now. Like it's just a dashboard which the dashboard is actually the main component of, of the platform. And in the dashboard, you have different types of tools that you can use, not a lot, like three to four tools, for each workflow part of the position or part of the, of the system. So we, you have a automation, we have an intake form place where you have all the intake forms and you can read them if you want. You have an EHR, which integrates immediately with the EHR that your clinic or your hospital is with. And after that, you just have the data, you have the medical referral letters that are ready to fill, basically. And since the moment that the patient approves or, or writes the intake form, the AI starts its, 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 its generation, press generate, basically, very similar to ChatGPT's uh, UI UX. You press, you press generate, it takes into consideration all the parameters that we talked before, and it gives a situation of the patient. And then after we get also the scribe and the not taken component, it gives also a potential diagnosis and a potential prescription, which again, the doctor can approve or disapprove. It's up to them. They can edit, they can see the files, they can see every, whatever they want. Most of the time they're approved because it's pretty, pretty accurate. That's where, the, that's what the components or the tools right now are about. 
So we, we start from the intake forms and end to the prescription diagnosis or the medical referral letter. Got Pretty it. So the, the data that you are inputting into the input form, plus the observations and notes of the, the physician come together to start to recommend what this might be, plus, what the next plus step the research, might be, what plus the solution the EHR, so medical database precisely for you, Got plus it. the drug discovery research that has been done by other pharma companies. We do everything like that. Got it. So it taps into data, lots of data diffusion of all these parameters, and we bring a precise diagnosis for you, basically, for each patient. Got it. Got it. Totally, totally makes sense. Now, we might as well skip, not skip over this part, but what types of the EMRs does this integrate with? And what are the main ones in case someone's listening and like, oh, I use, I think there's one from like TELUS yes. or there's some other ones. Does it integrate with those? What are the ones it does integrate with? So if I'm a physician, I've already made a decision. I'm not starting that new. Yes. So we are very, we're working very closely with Epic because we needed to, because we're work, we, okay. we're trying to work with some hospitals too about this especially on the, on, the, on the second component of the platform, which is the AI. We, we integrate with every EHR that you need as, as, long, as, it's, as long as it's used and it's, it's legal in Canada. So don't worry about that. There are a lot of ways that we can work with it. We don't take data from the EHR, at least not yet. Like we, don't, we, don't, we didn't train our model based on, on EHR data. Again, not yet. But, but, but we, they can have access to the EHR medical databases whenever they need to, whenever they want which is the, it's exactly like the, the minimum that we can offer them to. But, but how the AI works is we work precisely with autonomous data on precise, for example, for Mike, the Mike that comes in. We don't touch all the data of the whole patients that this EHR has, right? So that was kind of like the trick that, that helped us with a lot of this, uh, to, make, to make the process faster. Because working with the EHRs, it's, it's a little bit of a longer, longer process. And to, to make it shorter, to make it easier for the doctors to just integrate their own their own platform or or at least have their own platform there or their own EMRs, they can do it there. So what I mean by this is we can work with Telus, we can work with Epic, we can work with all the EHRs that the, the doctors need to. Amazing. Amazing. And so how does your how do you make money? <laughs> where where within this process, how much do you charge? Do you charge by clinic, by physician? How does that that work today? So we have different pricing models because we work we work pretty differently. Like, for example, we cannot price hospitals the same as we price clinics because hospitals have way more patients and way more data together. So what we do is we have a simple basic package of five thousand dollars per year for physicians, which they pay. Uh, and there, how we try to kind of like uh, how we try to to justify this pricing because it can seem like a lot, but we say, hey, in these two hours per day that we save you, you can choose to just make money and you can pay off this $5,000 in just five days because we actually increase your revenue by $1,000 per day, right? So that's kind of like how we try to, to, to justify the, the pricing. That is a $15,000 and a $25,000 package. $25,000 has all the AI needed and everything that we need to, learn, to make even the decisions better, not just the automation and helping save time, but also the decisions make it better. So that's pretty much the packages right now for clinics or for physicians that we usually charge per physician. Now, there are cases where the clinics have like five or six physicians. We try to to talk and to negotiate with them uh, because I know it's a lot of it's a lot of money like that way. So we try to negotiate with them and find the best package possible. We can charge them like how we charge hospitals, which is per patient. Got it. 
Oh, and so the hospital, the, the hospital model is for like patient, for patient, yes, for patient because again, it's there are a lot of physicians which are different departments. Right now, what we're looking at in what pilot that we're doing with one hospital, it's two two departments: the family fa- family medicine department and the ER emergency room department, uh, because they are the most needed ones. I think that that need our platform. We're discussing two opportunities: either per patient or either one big that the administration has has access to, which is a big a big contract, basically. That's cool. Obviously, healthcare. You had background in this, but it's it's not an easy place, especially in the Canadian market, to to make significant ground, especially in the newer world with with AI and all these other components. What's been the hardest part of your journey so far? I know I don't want to sound too philosophical or too cliche, but it's actually fighting with yourself, convincing yourself that you can do this. Of course, it's healthcare. It's maybe one of the hardest industries to get into that it's impossible to disrupt. I'm going to tell you a story. I'm not going to say the name of the guy or the name of the, the, the institution that he works with, but I talk with, it's, it's a hospital. It's a hospital, but I'm not going to say the name of the hospital. It's a hospital that we talked to. And I asked him, I said, how many, so I pitched him the company and I pitched him whatever we're doing. And I said, well, well it's this. And he was like, yo, this is very cool. I love it. He was a young, he was a young guy. You're just, he was the director for it. He was very, very successful, very smart. And I told him, okay, like, let's work. Like, how, how, how many time do you need from today to implement to, to, to the department of the hospital, our, our application, our platform? He looked at me and he was like, Luca, like, I don't know about the departments, but I can tell you about the whole hospital. You know how many years you need for that to, to happen? I said, I don't know, two years. In my mind, two years is a lot, by the way. Two years for a startup to go into a hospital is crazy. He was like, go up. I was like, five years? Up seven years? More. 10 years? 15 years, he said. So from the moment that we come up with a platform and we, we present it to the hospital, it is 15 years to fully integrate the whole hospital. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And I get it. It's a very traditional and very bureaucratic industry, which it should because you're dealing with patient, patient care, and with life, of, with patient life, right? But from the side of innovators, the side of entrepreneurs, it's very hard. It's very hard because you have to deal with a lot of bureaucracy. Uh, said that, it's also a very exciting industry because the moment that you innovate, you can actually save people's lives or you can make people's lives better, which is what we're trying to do, make people's lives better, right? So it's a direct impact. If people that are obsessed with impact, which I am, it's a direct impact into other people's lives. And I said, dealing with yourself or fighting with yourself because... There are a lot of times where you're like, man, why am I doing this? And I, and I, I say this as maybe once in two days when I wake up, like, why am I doing this? Why, why should I go to this such a hard journey? I met a medical doctor who created his own startup and he told me that creating a startup or fighting your own, fighting your own company in healthcare, it's even harder than medical school. People have this glamorous idea that when you are an entrepreneur, you're going to be rich and you're going to be successful and people love you, you know, but. It's not really like that. It's a lot of, it's a lot of dirty work that you have to do, especially in the early days, manually doing stuff that's calling the, the doctors, calling clinics, calling hospitals, calling experts, going to events, pitching, thinking to, to get investment, sales, marketing. So everything you have to do it yourself, coding. And, but you have to learn how to fall in love with the process and fell in love with, with this first days of the startup because this is going to be the most beautiful days. At least that's what people say, right? 
to but to understand that you need to have a lot of re- you need to be very humble and you need to understand that okay you know what you are in this position you hope it's going to be better you are doing this for a mission and never forget your why why did you start this right there be time and i tell this a lot just not to victimize myself but more to inspire people there's been time or to tell them that you're not alone there's been time when i have spent like week one week one week of some days without food in my in, in my house eating just like literally garbage like one dollar two dollar food just because i would i had to go from i live in Niagara falls so for to go from Niagara falls to toronto you needed to pay the, the go bus so i had to pay for the go bus so these are things that people don't understand that people don't know right most of us immigrants and some of the international students for example they live they had to deal with this without the support of their parents the emotional support of their parents they're in a new country completely right these are things that bother a lot of people and annoy a lot of people. But again, if your mission, if you really want to do it, you're going to do it. It's just your heart will tell you to, to do it. The hardest part that entrepreneurs will go through is this personal journey of, should I really do this or should I really go through this journey or should I just stay in a safe way and become a coder or become a doctor? That's like what you have to decide. Is there any advice you have on that bit? Like how, how to help determine if you're going to have what it takes or when the right moment is to, to proceed down that. And similarly, I think, you know, you've had some experience in the challenges breaking into the healthcare system, which have obviously come back to your own personal journey. Are there any like elements of, I don't want to say like the magic recipe, but if someone else was starting from the scratch to innovate healthcare, which it sounds like you want to really of help course. enable, are there any... Are there any um, things they should consider to help accelerate that or drive success earlier on? Be good to yourself. That's my first one. Mental health is very important. I was in a I was in a conference at Young Entrepreneur of the Year Awards, and Jay Carls, which which who was one of the one of the entrepreneurs that were in the battle, he said something very important. He said that he used to go to the therapy, like at least at least once a month when he started the company. So be very good to yourself. Take care of your mental health. You should understand that you are not alone and things that you go through, you are not alone. There are a lot of people, not only entrepreneurs, but even people that are trying to do something big in their own fields, they're going through this, right? So try to be good to yourself. Surround yourself, this is my second point, is surround yourself with very good people that will not only like push you, but but also, you can learn from them a lot. You can, they can teach you stuff. They can teach you how to act in different situations because you need them. You need them. I, I know that a lot of people say, oh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a lone wolf and I'm Rambo and I'm going to do this all myself. You can't do long term. You can't do the short term. But long term, you're going to get burned out. And I almost got burned out like this. I'm talking from my own experience. Huh? Like, I was the lone wolf guy. So I hope, in April, I almost got burned out and I got very, very sick. And it's 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 ironic, right? It's paradox because I'm fixing the the burnout of the doctors, and I'm not taking care. Of, I'm not taking care of myself. So it's very important, in my opinion, to really focus on that, and never giving up in the sense of not like again, not the cliche of never give up, but being the man in the arena is enough. So you try, and you really pushing every day to do whatever you want to do and to disrupt healthcare and to help make the healthcare system better, that's for me is enough. 
you took the risk, you are far better than what a normal person is doing, right? So don't be so harsh on yourself. That's that's also kind of like an advice to myself too. So I, I'm kind of like speaking to my alter ego in a sense. I think that piece that you mentioned is really important, which is like you do have to look after yourself, whatever that is to take some time to recover, to to refresh. Putting your own oxygen mask on on an airplane is super critical because if you don't, you can't help anyone yeah. else. Obviously, it's been a bit of a journey. What's what's the year ahead look like for you? Are like you're obviously making some amazing progress. What are your like lofty? We're tailing out 2023. So let's say your 2024 goals for Doshare. We're growing a lot. We're growing very quick. We're getting clinics. We're getting hospitals interested. Right now, for us, it's the moment that we do things at no scale. I think we have that product solution, sorry, problem solution fit. Now, we're the journey to hit that product market fit, which means they can be Series A, Series B. I don't know whether it's going to be hit, but for sure, it will, my opinion, it will be hit at some point. I guess. What's the next thing is doing things at not scale, focusing a lot on getting a lot of clinics here in Ontario, in Quebec, in British Columbia, so basically in Canada. That's at least for the one year. Growing. So we have a lot of clinics that we did pilots with. Some of them are just, we just recurred and we just got got them to, to turn into paid pilot or paid, paid clients. Getting all of them to get into paid clients, it's like the next more practical goal, I would say, right? Now, if you're talking about more long term, of course, going to the north, the whole North America, that's very, very important. And actually, helping more startups into a healthcare journey than they are in their healthcare journey through our LLM, through our language model, helping them get funded and get created, and helping them integrating our LLM into their systems. So that's kind of like the the, the big dream or the big big goal that we want. That's cool. So obviously in the immediacy, it's converting to paid, helping expand continued usership in Ontario and Quebec mostly. And on the longer term, how can you help bring others on this journey and expand into the US? If there's anyone listening that interested in helping support your journey, is there anything specific that you could use as assistance or help to accelerate the year ahead for you? That's a good question. I mean, Every physician, I would say, that wants to have a better life and wants to make more money and wants to go home a little bit earlier and maybe just wants to make better decisions in their life and help help patients become better, just reach out to me on, on LinkedIn, on Instagram, Luca Lamai, L-U-K-A-L-A-M-A-J, like the name of the, of the podcast. Reach out to me because it's going to be beneficial for not only for you and me, but also for for the patients, which is very, very important. So that that would be the only assistant we need right now. Of course, the usual investors and the usual, I don't know, like people, but that really, and, and everyone wants to, we're opening sorts of job positions, job openings. Everyone that wants to contribute, especially in AI engineering field, please reach out to me because we'll be open to hire new AI engineers and to, to make it basically the to, to make the platform better and to make the LLM better. Got it. So you're looking for, you got some immediate hiring around some AI yes. engineers. Uh, you're obviously looking for referrals or if someone's listening that is a physician, continued utilization of your product to help impact their own lives, but also the lives of those they're helping. 
um, you know, put your oxygen mask on first, save some time, increase your, your profits, reduce burnout, but also provide better care. Uh, if people are looking to find out more, they can obviously connect with you and we'll include that in the description. Where, where else should they go and what's the link we're going to put in the description of where people can go if they'd like to sign up? Else? For now, it's been very manual for us. Uh, we have a website called docereapp.com. But again, most of the, because we, we have our own system, which usually flags people that are not physicians, for example. But everyone that wants to be part of the platform and is thinking about joining us or, or trying to see if, if it, it can be a fit in the future or, or even just trying to, to experiment or to work with the platform, please reach out to me. For physicians that want to be part of the platform, again, please reach out to me because we, can, we have the onboarding process, which is very easy, and I do it myself. And I would love to talk to you and, and, and figure out how can we integrate your, the, the, the platform into the clinic and to the already existing some tech platforms like EHRs and everything. So I'm usually the, the biggest help with, with this stuff. So it'd be, it'd, it, it would be easier to reach out to me. But for anyone that just wants to check the website, docereapp.com. Amazing. Luca, thank you so much for joining us today. I learned a ton. You're doing some impressive work in a system that truly does need people that are trying to do it in the way you're doing it in a collaborative way, looking for ways to help reduce time, reduce overhead, give back time and efficiency to the doctors, but also the patients. Thank you for coming on the Pitch Please podcast today. Thank you, everyone that joined in. Luca, any closing words on your I have side? Just the last thing that I'll do is use the wording of uh, Charles Bukowski. I use it all the time, actually. It says, I, I, actually, actually, you know what? I'm going to change it this time. I'm not going to use Charles Bukowski. I'm going to use Thomas Friedman, my favorite, my favorite economist. He says, pessimistic people are usually right, but optimistic people change the world. So be optimistic and change the world. I love it. That's super positive thinking. And I think it's something that all entrepreneurs need to keep in mind every single day, especially on those harder days. Luca, again, thanks again for tuning in. Everyone that listened to the Pitch Please podcast today, thank you for tuning in and catch you on the next episode. You've been listening to the Pitch Please podcast. Pitch Please. Pitch Please. <laughs> Hosted by Mike Thibodeau. Tune in for regular episodes and show notes at pitchplease.ca. And make sure to give us a follow on your favorite podcast platform. Pitch Please, a Bluemex podcast, is hosted by Michael Thibodeau and does not constitute a recommendation for any organization, product, or service. For more Pitch Please content subscribe where you get your podcasts and visit bluemex.io to join us on Discord.